The Denver Broncos defense suffers a massive blow as Caden Stearns is set to miss the remainder of the season with the injury he sustained in week one. What do the Broncos options look like at the secondary position? Plus, we took a look at the all 22 and we'll tell you why Damari Mathis will bounce back in week two against the commanders. You're going to get that and much more on today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome into a brand new episode of Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us here today on the Locked On Broncos podcast, free and available everywhere you get podcasts, whether you listen in the audio format or whether you watch on YouTube every single day. We appreciate you so much. Thank you so much to all the everydayers out there. Make sure you subscribe or follow. If you want daily Denver Broncos news, content coverage, analysis, and more, you get that every single day, all year long. I'm Cody Work, Broncos reporter for Mile High Sports, joined alongside by Sarah Bettinger, co-host of the show and also site expert over there, predominantlyorange.com. This episode is brought to you by Price Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code in all lowercase locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Sarah, the aftermath, right? We always call it aftermath Monday when we go on and we record. We obviously had the post-game report of the Broncos outcome 17-16 loss to the Las Vegas Raiders. But now that we get a chance to digest some things and go back and look at some things, we get some revelations on what's going on with the injury report. What are certain players doing to maybe change their approach this upcoming week? This is what we get to break down here in the build-up to week number two. Because you know what? The NFL is a long season. It's week to week. Week one isn't the defining factor, but Denver has a lot of ground to make up here. And unfortunately, they're going to be without a key player on the defensive side of the ball for the remainder of the season. That's right. Caden Stearns, one of the team's apparently three starting safeties, Cody, uh, as of the this first game, which I thought was an interesting strategy. Uh, only other c- team that I've seen do that is the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, but really, really cool to see the Broncos honor their three guys that they think very highly of. But unfortunately, this will be the last that we see of Caden Stearns this season. He's going to ultimately go on season-ending injury reserve with what Ian Rappaport of NFL Network is saying is a torn patella tendon So just a string of bad luck injury-wise for Caden Stearns over the course of his first three NFL seasons and really dating back to his time at Texas, Cody, where injuries and inconsistency were part of the issue there. Then he comes into the NFL showing tremendous promise, has the hip injury in 2022, now the patella injury here in 2023. So a tough blow for a Broncos safety position that's already missing P.J. Locke, as we know, who is on short-term injured reserve. Hopefully we'll see him back there in week five or shortly thereafter. But for the time being, it does leave the Broncos a bit shorthanded at the safety position. And it takes, it wipes out another huge upside guy in the secondary off the board. So now the Broncos are down, not just Caden Stearns, not just PJ Locke, but also you got to remember K1 Williams also on short-term injured reserve. So this secondary has taken some hits. It has, and what do the Broncos do from here, right? And I think that's the question we get asked now. Rookie J.L. Skinner was inactive for Sunday's game, and obviously he's a big guy. He's a thumper, uh, but there's Delarian Turner yell, right? Obviously, Kareem Jackson is going to be the starter here opposite of Justin Simmons with Stearns out of the mix here. But in the event of an injury, right, I think we have to ask ourselves, what are the Broncos going to do at safety, right? And I think this is a great question to me. I don't know if J.L. Skinner is ready just yet, right, to have to step into a role like that. I think he'd be a great role player. I think he's going to get his feet wet 
primarily on special teams first before we see him on the defensive side of the ball. But I would not be shocked here if Devin Key gets added to or elevated to the game day roster, right? Whether he's a practice squad to active roster elevation or whether he's just a practice squad to game day elevation, as we've seen, as we saw with little Jordan Humphrey and Philip Dorsett this past Sunday against the Las Vegas Raiders. But I'll be very curious to see how Denver maneuvers about there. Maybe even, hey, is Sang Bassey getting some depth action there and maybe Jaquan McMillan being active. But you are right. The secondary is a little bit banged up here. And I know a lot of Broncos fans are frustrated about maybe some of the other sides of the secondary opposite of Patrick Sertan. These are some things and conversations we'll dive into on today's episode of the show here. But, I mean, overall, Sarah, it's a big blow. You hope that, hey, okay, when P.J. Locke and K1 Williams are able to come back week five, I think that's the anticipated point. I think they are expected to be back that week specifically. We'll see where they continue to go in the rehab and recovery. But it may not be the safety position that, you know, the Broncos make a move at, right? And when Kane Stearns goes to injured reserve, it could free up another player on the Broncos' offensive side of the ball, which if I had to make a case right now, Sarah, I feel like we might see little Jordan Humphrey promoted from the practice squad to the active roster once he hits IR. Very well could, just because obviously you only get two free practice squad call-ups, right? So the Broncos used one of those this week for Lil Jordan, as well as Philip Dorsett off the practice squad. And as you mentioned, Cody, could see Devon Key getting upgraded from the practice squad to the active roster in week two. Just depends on where they're at, like you said, with JL Skinner. So the roster maneuvering, it's going to be interesting to see what Denver does, because obviously they do have some needs on the offensive side of the ball, at receiver, but could get Jerry Judy back in week two as well. So I guess time will tell exactly what the team is going to do. And I think, too, the secondary may just need another body anyway. I don't know if they're looking to the outside necessarily at this point, but it might be at, at a spot right now where the Broncos do start to consider maybe some outside players in the secondary because you've had so many injuries there. You might need, if the war on attrition has already taken this kind of a toll, you might need somebody from the outside. But let's talk about offenses. It's brought up little Jordan Humphrey, another big body in the passing game. Greg Dulcich obviously going down against the Raiders with a hamstring injury. Cody, obviously he struggled with hamstring issues last season, starting in OTAs kind of hindered him into the regular season. And then obviously he played 10 games, went back with the hamstring again. So it's a struggle for Greg Dulcich right now with the hamstring issues. What's his status and what are the Broncos going to do in place of him? Well, as the time that you and I are sitting recording this episode of the show on Monday afternoon, we did know that Sean Payton told us earlier in the morning on Monday that he was undergoing an MRI. We don't have the results of that yet, knowing our luck here. The moment we publish this on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast, it's going to go out and the news will be out there. And obviously we'll share more context later on and maybe tomorrow's episode of the show here. But if Greg Dulcich MRI comes back and let's say, okay, hypothetically he misses time. Okay, what does this mean for Denver? Is it long enough to where you have to put him on short-term injured reserve? Or is he just going to miss a couple of weeks with the chance to be back? Right? I think that's a differentiation. We have to maybe figure out where Denver would go there. It, best case scenarios, hey, he's going to be fine. He'll be ready to go. He may miss this week, but maybe back next week against the Miami Dolphins. We'll see if that's the case. Um, but if he goes on short-term IR, if it is a lengthy injury here, they have Lucas Kroll, who was the Saints' leading tight end receiving option in the preseason. He does have some speed to him here. But, Sarah, I think what stands out to me is that the Broncos right now, and this is maybe where I get it, you wanted to get capital, you wanted to put him in a destination because you didn't necessarily have a role for him. You didn't see Greg Dulcich getting injured in week one. 
But this is where I think the Broncos miss a guy with like Albert Okwebunam with his size and speed. Denver does not currently have that right now at tight end. And if he does go on our, we are going to see a lot more Nate Adkins, but he's not the speed guy that Albert O or Greg Dulcich was. And certainly Adam Troutman's not that guy either, right? So unfortunately, you did hinder yourself by making the Albert O trade, as we discussed on the show, Cody. I mean, a team that has struggled offensively trading away guys with that kind of talent who even it, though it was a preseason game, even though it was against backups and guys who are not going to be on an NFL roster, he showed some stuff in that game that translates to real games. And I just I think the Broncos made a mistake there. I think they're going to have to look to some help right now. My guy, O.J. Howard, is still sitting out there. He's available. He brings some 4-5-1 speed to the table. You've also got Dan Arnold, who's played for Sean Payton in the past, available as a free agent. So I don't know that it's going to be able to be just next man up at this position. I think you need to add some speed. And the Broncos just don't have enough playmakers right now offensively, Cody. I, I mean, I, it's just it's as clear as day to me, but I guess we'll kind of see where the team is at with that. And we're going to talk more about it too, as we talk about kind of all 22, what we saw on tape against the Raiders in week one. Well, here's the thing I want to throw out there as well, right? I think this is going to be a great test to see how great of a coach Sean Payton is, right? When you have some of these ailing questions, you will see maybe a little bit about how good of a coach you have on your team based on the adjustments they make and maybe how they switch their game plan. But Broncos country, what did we learn from the All-22? We'll dive deep into that in today's episode, Locked on Broncos. This episode of the show is brought to you by our friends over there at FanDuel Sportsbook. Now, look, FanDuel Sportsbook has everything you need to get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And right now, you can get ready for the season, and new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5, they'll get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. You want to take advantage of that opportunity to get the flex box to see all the different games going on at once. Well, hey, now's your chance to get $100 off with FanDuel Sportsbook. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. You can bet on everything from spreads to player props and even more. And this week, the Denver Broncos are three and a half point favorites against the Washington Commanders. And the over-under for that game is set at 39 and a half. Well, if you base it on week one, okay, a lot of people might take the under, but might take the over in that game, and it might be the Broncos going on a scoring output here in week two. That's my thoughts here, Locked On Broncos here. So visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. What did we learn from watching the All-22 of the Denver Broncos versus the Las Vegas Raiders? Was there a problem with the pass rush? Was the offense as bad as 16 points might indicate? We're going to talk all about it coming up here on this episode, Lockdown Broncos. But before we do, got to give a huge shout out to every single one of you that makes Lockdown Broncos your first listen of the day every single day. We're so honored that you spend the time free and available everywhere that you can listen to podcasts. You already know. Bring us with you in the car. Bring us with you on the treadmill. Watch us while you're working out on YouTube for free as well. There's so many different ways to take in the show about however you choose to do so or whenever you choose to do it. If, if you're a morning person and you bring us on the commute or if you're a nighttime person and you like to watch us as you wind down for the day or listen as you wind down, Cody and I can't thank you enough for being part of the show and for making us your first listen of the day right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Cody, as we break down the film from the Denver Broncos versus the Las Vegas Raiders in week one, an unfortunate 17 to 16 loss. But as we know, there's always pieces to evaluate things that can get better, things that might have been worse than we thought. But we got to talk about a guy who had maybe the, the worst game that he's had in a, a calendar year, I would say. Damari Mathis, the Broncos cornerback. The last time we saw him have a bad game, really, honestly, was his first game as a starter against the Los Angeles Chargers. Monday Night Football last season. He had a pretty good season, bounced back after that game. Can he bounce back after a brutal outing against the Raiders here in week one? I think that he can. I think that's obviously one thing you want to see him do. And look, I, I get it. Fans are down because of the performance. Sarah, I even had responses from people saying, this is why the Broncos should have never drafted Patrick Sertan because then it puts the other corner spot. Like, I don't know what type of thinking that is, folks, but PS2 is still the right pick. Of course, the other cornerback is going to get a lot of attention here. But here's the thing with Damari Mathis and the things that I saw in the All-22. And look, I'll, I'll drop a film breakdown on a special Twitter account that I may have out there somewhere, but just breaking down in detail what had happened. Look, I thought that the Raiders on two plays that he had given up to Jacoby Myers, one being the touchdown, another one being maybe a 12 or 13 yard catch. They were great, well-placed back shoulder throws, which is as a cornerback, you ever played the position you ever know it, or if you ever coach it, you know exactly how tough it is to defend the back shoulder because guess what? Receivers running vertical at you, the quarterback's hitching up. He's throwing it to the outside and behind. So really, it's just the wide receiver has to make a body adjustment turn. It's hard for cornerbacks to make a play on that. And look, those were two really good throws. Obviously, he did have the pass interference in the red zone. Didn't end up costing the Broncos as they managed to hold on and find a way to get an interception, which was crazy. There were two PIs on that drive, one on Sertan, which I don't agree with, and then the other one on Mathis, which, hey, it's just about getting in position. But here's what they also did as well, what I saw from the Raiders. A lot of times they had split their wide receivers closer to the offensive line, right? So you're talking about you're stacking the formation a little bit. And why do teams do this? Because they allow you to attack vertically outside and also on the inside, right? With different concepts. We're talking flat. We're talking corner. We're talking drag. Just different things here. That's the Raiders' game plan against Denver was to get the ball to Jimmy Garoppolo's hands quickly. And even Broncos head coach Sean Payton even talked about pressure in the standpoint because, hey, if you're not getting pressure, it's hard to make plays in certain concepts that are designed to beat you. But the reason for pressure, and we'll dive deeper into that here on the show here in just a little bit, is because they were getting the ball out of their hands quickly. So we'll kind of go back to that here. But I think overall, the issues when you look at Damari Mathis here, Sarah, I think they're fixable. And I think the biggest thing for him is, hey, don't lose your confidence, right? Because, hey, as a cornerback, you're going to get beat. Sometimes you're going to have bad games. It does happen, folks. It absolutely does. But how do you respond to that? I know that the Broncos coaching staff, I know Christian Parker and the guys in that secondary, I know they have faith in Mathis and bouncing back this upcoming week against the Washington Commanders. And look, as we talked about in the postgame show, if he doesn't bounce back, then I think, that okay, maybe down the road we revisit the conversation a little bit. Does, does Denver need to bring somebody in or does somebody else have to step up and play in that spot there? But I think another thing Mathis did well that's not being talked about, he came up against the run against Josh Jacobs, did a really good job in that department here, some things that he can fix and clean up. But overall, it's not something I think Broncos fans should necessarily panic about here going forward. Especially considering it doesn't get much more difficult than Devontae Adams, right? Obviously, the Raiders trying to scheme that matchup a little bit to get those matchups against Mathis between he and Devontae Adams. So I know Jacoby Myers had his moments, but look, I mean, that was 
the the first touchdown that Jacoby Myers had, Cody, was pretty good coverage by Damari Mathis. It just took a perfect throw to beat that coverage. Obviously, you get beat and it, it, things kind of start to snowball and the snowball gets a little bit bigger as it continues to roll down the hill. And obviously, the big moments in the game as well, they kind of accentuate when you do make mistakes or when you do get beat. And so he's a young cornerback. How many times have we said on this show progress development in the NFL is oftentimes not a linear thing. It can go up and down. So for a young player like Damari Mathis, got to afford him a little bit of time here, unless the Broncos don't believe in his long-term prospects, which I believe they do. I think this is a situation that you got to take the good and the bad and the ugly with a young player and let him grow from it. And yes, the Broncos have Riley Moss waiting in the wings. We'll see what their plans are for him. They also have Jaquan McMillan, who the team obviously really likes. But I don't think there's any reason to panic after one matchup where you get toasted a few times by Devontae Adams. He's certainly not the only corner to get dusted by one of the all-time greats. Devontae Adams will do that to guys. And so you expect that. You expected the Raiders to find those matchups, and they did. They did a great job of doing so. So I'm not overly worried about Damari Mathis, although I will say, Cody, it's a situation where he does need to bounce back rather quickly Mm -hmm. because you've got some matchups coming up. I'm starting with the Washington Commanders, where you go up against Terry McClure and Jahan Dotson. This isn't really a situation where they're going to need to scheme anybody specifically open. Those two guys can do damage individually. So Damari is going to need to be on his game in a big way against whichever one of those two guys that he's matched up against. And I think that you're right. The aggressiveness he showed against the run, something that he can definitely take away. But how do you bounce back after getting beat in coverage a number of times even when you've got great coverage uh, it's it's going to be a a mental game as we've seen when he got the four pass interference penalties called on him against the chargers how do you come back from that well we have precedence that he came back rather quickly so i think it's a situation where optimistically believing that we'll see him do that again Oh, and the number one thing that DB coaches always tell their guys and if you're going to play db at any level you have to have a short-term memory right forget what happened like don't like erase it from your memory thinking like okay this didn't happen like learn from it but forget like when you get burnt on a play when you give up a 15 yard catch if you dwell on it you're going to be thinking about it and when you think about it you're more prone to making mistakes bounce back from it i think damari mathis will do that in fact here for the broncos this upcoming week here but we're also going to continue our other all 22 observations here including what's up with the broncos pass rush and the broncos offense what did we learn from them well you're going to get that on today's episode lockdown broncos this episode of the show is brought to you by our friends over there at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had winning up to 25 times my money this football season. You just select two or more players, you pick more or less on their projected stats, and then you place your entry. They also have quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types. And that's what makes Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Now, this week on Prize Picks, if we are going through here and we're talking about the Broncos versus the Commanders here, well, you know what? I feel a little bit more comfortable. If Russell Wilson's pass line is set at 175, I'm going to take more passing yards on that this week against the Commanders here. And then for Javante Williams, I think I'm going to take more than 75 yards rushing for him this week against the Commanders. I liked what I saw from the Broncos inside their run game. I think they bounced back in a big way this week against Washington here. And Price Picks is a great way to get some extra money if you believe the same exact thing as me. So go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code NFL for a first deposit match up to 100%. 
$100. Once again, go to pricepicks.com slash NFL and use code LOCKDOWNNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. What did we learn about the Denver Broncos offense and also the pass rush that has seemingly has a lot of people frustrated as the Broncos lost week one, 17 to 16 here against Jimmy Garoppolo and the Las Vegas Raiders here. Well, Sarah, let's open things up here by just talking about, okay, what do we learn about the pass rush here? And I think Sean Payton kind of confirmed a little bit of what I saw when going back and watching the All-22. I thought that the Raiders developed a pretty good game plan of getting the ball in their hands. Now, coming into the matchup throughout the week, we had all known about that. We heard it from Josie Jewell last week saying, hey, Jimmy's a guy who likes to get the ball in his hands quickly, and that's going to have to be something you have to try to counteract. But you also look at maybe the route combinations. I mentioned it earlier when we were talking about Damari Mathis and how often at times the Raiders would they would go tight bunched. Remember, if you heard it on the broadcast or if you were there at the game, you heard them saying all the times the official would say, number 77 is reporting as eligible. They would bring in an extra offensive lineman because they wanted to tightly condense their formations and they wanted to attack the short to intermediate. They only took a couple of deep shots. Look, Patrick Sertan did not bite on the flea flicker. I'm glad that the Broncos didn't bite on that and fall for that. But the game plan for the Raiders, as evident, was, hey, try to get Josh Jacobs going, which Denver did a great job counteracting. But overall, was, hey, we need to get the ball out of our hands quickly. That's what we saw to passes to Austin Hooper, Jacoby Myers, Devontae Adams. Heck, the first play of the game, Jimmy Garoppolo, snap throw. And it was a quick slant route on a tightly condensed formation. So it was hard to really fluster Jimmy Garoppolo in that sense. And, hey, Sean Payton had a good counter on it. You're going to have to find ways to maybe get your hands up in the passing lanes and get a deflected pass here. But he also said, we're all for pressure. And obviously, it's an important stat in our league when it comes to hurrying these quarterbacks. The ball does come out quickly with Jimmy Garoppolo, and it comes out quickly. I think route design-wise, it's one thing to say a quarterback gets rid of it quickly, but there are going to be certain teams that hold on to the ball a lot longer than others. That's basically the gist of what he had said to us in Monday's press conference call here. So I'm not necessarily concerned about the pass rush yet, Sarah. I think we're going to get an opportunity this week when the team faces the commanders. Now, here's the trick, though. Sam Howell proved in week one, if you watch that game, that he can use his legs. He can dip up underneath. He can get to the outside and run. He had a rushing touchdown against the Arizona Cardinals. So how can Denver counteract covering guys like Terry McLaurin, obviously Jahan Dotson and other guys, while also still being able to preserve pocket integrity here and being able to try to collapse that against a guy like Howell? That's going to be a challenge for them this week. But overall, Sarah, I didn't necessarily come away as concerned as maybe we had thought about the pass rush, I know everyone's saying, hey, the pass rush and Denver sent a lot of pressure, but it's because you get the ball to your hands quickly that counteracts that. Josh McDaniels has been around. He's seen that. So uh, maybe it, it's something to keep an eye on, but I'm not necessarily as concerned about that right now. Let's see how they do here in week two. But overall, Sarah, I thought the Broncos offense, they look pretty fine to me going back and doing the rewatch on the All-22. A couple of things they could have done better, a couple of missed assignments and a blocking thing, but nothing that was detrimental that hurt them and cost them the game, in my opinion. Right. Obviously, only six possessions in this game, which Sean Payton discussed on Monday is an abnormal number for any team. Typically, you're used to nine to 12 possessions in a game, and the Broncos were pretty effective on those possessions. I think that both the Broncos and the Raiders, although this game ended with a final score of 17 to 16, these were long sustained drives where you're converting third downs, you're converting first. These two teams were pretty good on first and second down when they were throwing the ball in those downs, getting ahead of the sticks there. It wasn't like there was a ton of, I don't remember many third and long situations, Cody, aside from times where there were 
penalties being called. So uh, a lot of times in this game, both teams really finding a way to move the ball down the field and get into scoring range, as we say, bending, not always breaking, right? So the Broncos and Raiders ultimately coming down to who could execute late in the game. Of course, it ended up being the Raiders doing so. But for the Broncos offense, Cody, I'm not necessarily worried at all. I think when you watch last year's team on the whole, and I know there's been some comparisons thrown out there about how these teams looked in week one of last season, (laughs) which is mind boggling to me that that's coming up. But it's over the course of the entire season, right? The Broncos not executing simple stuff. Uh, The Broncos not able to have a short passing game, which now we're complaining about too much of a short passing game. So (laughs) there were so many times last year, how many times did people complain that Russ needs to hit his check down here? or Russ needs to find this guy that's right in front of his face. And now he's hitting the guys right in front of his face and people are complaining about that. So I think the offense obviously needs to score more points. They need to take more shots downfield, which Sean Payton did acknowledge. But like you mentioned in the post-game show, and like we've been talking about off the air a little bit, it really required them to do some of these quicker, shorter passing game, you know, that strategy to employ that strategy because of Max Crosby and his ability to wreck games. So the more I watch the offense from Sunday against the Raiders, the more encouraged I am that things are not the same as many people I know that it is the same in terms of the final score. I know that it's the same in terms of the frustration and the kicking issues and the penalties and things like that. But the offense is what the Broncos really needed to be rehabilitated this year and to be completely different. And to be honest with you, I do see a completely different offense out there in terms of their ability to execute, in terms of Russell Wilson's confidence. And now you add, hopefully, Jerry Judy into the mix. We'll see how that changes things, which I think it's going to be massive. Cody, I had a number of people say to me, well, Jerry Judy coming back is not going to make that much of a difference. He's not a wide receiver one. Jerry Judy, he creates separation. He creates after the catch. He's one of the better receivers in the NFL in terms of causing explosive plays for the offense. I know the Broncos haven't had a ton of that, but Jerry is very good in that regard. And so I think he will make a world of difference for those who are just kind of maybe cynical at this point and just saying he's not going to make much difference. Jerry Judy being added to what we saw on Sunday, I think is going to be a, like you talked about a couple minutes ago, this offense, you, I think you can expect maybe a barrage of scoring in week two. And we hope that Jerry returns here. And look, I going back on the film, another thing that stood out to me, just it it maybe changed the, the course of the game, right? Philip Dorsett catching that ball, but stepping out of bounds before he had possession of it, two hands. That right there would have changed the entire course and trajectory, I think, of the game because it's a big downfield play. Instead, you know, maybe Denver does settle for a field goal still. Maybe that's the outcome, but it's not 55 yards the way that Will Lutz had to have it on that situation. So it's always those things you go back and you watch on film like, man, if we just do this right, we do this right. The offense looked much more competent. I thought Samaje P. Ryan and Javante Williams, those guys ran hard, man. And look, I think some people are saying, oh, well, look, they did it against the Raiders defense. The Raiders defense is pretty damn good. They got some good players there. And I think that they're going to be a good defense this upcoming season. It's unfortunate they didn't have Chandler Jones. He would have added another wrinkle to the mix there. But I thought Denver did a really good job attacking big on big, creating some lanes, and Javante running hard and running through guys, Samaje doing it. Now, granted, there was one play I think a lot of people are going to critique Samaje on. It was, hey, how come he didn't get a first down and a one-on-one against the corner? That's the only gripe. But I think he responded after that, Sarah, with a big-time catch and run there by Russell Wilson, who 
connected with 11 different receiving options in this game. We'll see how the game plan maybe adjusts. I don't think Chase Young is going to be able to play this week because he's been dealing with a neck injury, and they said it's a two- to three-week thing, and they said that last week. So we'll see where the Broncos are at, but we'll have you covered every step of the way. Once we get an official update on Greg Dulcich, we'll give you some more information. We'll preview some of the things that Denver can do this week against the Commanders. Plus, you can also look forward to a crossover episode with Lockdown Commanders, Sarah Bettinger and David Harrison. We'll have you covered this week on a crossover Thursday episode of the show. You get all that buildup and much more here and only here, the Locked On Broncos podcast. We'll see you next time, Broncos country.